Welcome to the hotspot. I'm your host, Armand Desfouli-Arjamandi. Today's episode is a recording of a live discussion that happened on the night of January 10th about HIP42, which is the latest proposal that is up for vote at heliumvote.com. If you don't know what a HIP is, it's a helium improvement proposal, which is a document that suggests an improvement or change to the helium network, usually authored by a community member. In this case, the community member Anthony Ra is also the subject of the interview, and explains his thoughts on why this HIP was written and why he thinks it should pass. Due to the nature of this HIP, it is highly technical and it was pretty hard to not get into the weeds with a lot of the details, but I tried to create simplified summaries of each point in the HIP as we went on in the conversation. So regardless if you're new to Helium or you're an experienced community member, I hope you can get something out of this conversation. There are lots of great little nuggets of information that clarify things about how the network works that I haven't seen elsewhere. Let's kick this off. Um, today we're discussing HIP42, Beacon Witness Ratio, authored by Anthony Ra himself. Anthony Ra has been with us for a long time as a community member. I think this, is this your second or your third HIP? So this is my second I am co-author to um, HIP40, uh, which is currently being worked on as well. I helped with HIP7, which is the HIP on HIPs. <laughs> and then HIP14 was my first official like solo HIP. And then now HIP42. I've been around the healing community for a while now. Um, late 2020. Was it late 2020 or 2019 that you joined? I actually joined late 2019 because I separated from the Navy in 2020. That's actually a funny story on how I got introduced to helium. It was, a, it was actually a Facebook add-on ad that I saw that, that introduced me to helium while I was in the, in the middle of the South China Sea on deployment. They were, they were talking about mainnet launch at the time. And I was like, wow, this sounds cool. Hopped over to the website, read it. I was like, wow. This is really cool. This is like they're using blockchain and they're going to have hardware. And, you know, this is a peer-to-peer network. This is really cool. I, I can dig this. Um, realized that the, the, the hotspot finers that were currently being sold, pre-ordered at the time, um, were going to be shipping when I got back from my deployment. And I was like, wow, this is like perfect timing. And <laughs> conveniently enough, the miner showed up two weeks after I returned um, to land. And I plugged, I plugged it in, set it up via the, the Helium app, and it really started me on this, on this process. I loved it, and I wanted to build the network. You know? And at first, I was like, oh, I could build it with miners. And then realized quite quickly that as an operator, it didn't really suit me that well. <laughs> you know, finding hosts and setting up host agreements and that kind of deal. So that's why I kind of pivoted and did an audible um, and I, I started to learn Erlang, started to really look into the uh, the, the project uh, behind the curtain. And that's kind of like what led me to really wanting to help out the network, not necessarily by building it on, you know, boots on the ground um, at the time, but maybe I could provide, you know, a hip, you know, that makes the network better, or maybe finally get to a pull request to, to make the, the, the blockchain better. That was like my origin story. Kind of led me into learning Erlang for the purpose of doing exactly this and like really helping people, you know, who 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 had the ability to build the network, to build it right, to build it for the future. 
Well, you've definitely been a big help to a lot of folks here. I see you active all the time and always sort of chiming in and, and thinking of new ideas. So much appreciation for that. We're going to dive into HIP42. I'm going to let Anthony explain what the motivations are. We'll, I'll ask a few of my own questions and clarify some things. We'll try to go over most of the common concerns from the community and the most common questions over the past few days. We've both been lurking in the HIP42 channel quite a lot and have spoken with a bunch of you already. So hopefully getting a little more in-depth here will be instructive to anyone who is looking to refine their knowledge and understanding before casting their vote or maybe to change their vote. Anthony, I'd love if you could introduce this HIP. What inspired you to make this HIP? What are the main benefits that you see to making these changes and, and what are the changes? HIP 42 um, it actually originated from um, a concern or a problem that was noted uh, back in September of last year, specifically on uh, the grounds of witness repeating. And for those that don't know or aren't aware of witness repeating, um, it, is, it is known that there's an there's a ability to kind of man in the middle um, witnesses um, and essentially get them signed by other hotspots, even if they didn't physically witness that beacon. And back in September, we, we saw some hotspots that were doing um, what looked, and this is based off of data analysis, using the Dewey ETL and then also um, just some raw SQL queries on what the blockchain was seeing. And uh, it was quite apparent um, because these hotspots were earning 10 to 20 helium a day uh, when, quote unquote, the, the best hotspots on the network were you know, mining four to five helium a day at the time. Uh, so that, that's kind of like what shined a light and kind of like had me start digging into um, the blockchain and really start doing some data analysis. And that's when I started to realize that um, HIP 15 and HIP 17, um, when they changed the, the witness, you know, rewards to be more um, than the beacons, that a lot of people started realizing that. And, you know, that's part of the, you know, obviously as an IoT network, witnessing is important because you, gotta, you need to be able to hear devices. But a concern that I've, I've had and I've seen is that um, beacons have gotten, you know, pushed to the wayside. And so um, the, the HIP is meant to kind of help protect or limit potential witness repeating um, a gaming uh, situation. But also, if anything, trying to help define what it means to have an optimal hotspot setup in regards to proof of coverage, right? And that's the big that's the big discussion point that I've seen lately. Is you know you can take a look at a hotspot, and a lot of people, um, when they see it being a top earner, they consider it to be instantly an optimal setup. Right, be a optimal setup because rewards being incentivized like that. When in fact, the majority of them, um, some of them aren't beaconing, some of them are beaconing, but they're not beaconing very well. And you know, for proof of coverage, it's two sides. You know, you have the beacons, you have the witnesses. And so, the idea for this hip is to kind of 
have a way to link them, um, not directly, and then try to do it in a way that is less detrimental to the network. It redefines in a subtle but yet simply explainable way what is valuable to the network when it comes to providing coverage. Right now, the way hotspots are rewarded is essentially if you just keep upping the number of witnesses you have, upping, 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 get 50 witnesses, witness 100 hotspots, you're just going to keep up, 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 upping your earnings, especially so if those witnesses have a high transmit scale. It does place a little bit too much emphasis on being able to receive packets where the reality of a LoRaWAN network is you need to be able to transmit and receive. Now, even though most LoRaWAN devices are uplink only or, or majority uplinks, you still need downlinks in order for those devices to join the network in the first place. And you need downlinks in order to provide response packets to devices that do want to accept a response from their uh, integration. So, it's very important that any hotspot providing coverage is able to transmit as well as it receives. And this hip sort of reframes the current idea of what is the most beneficial to the network from being witness as much as possible to being witness as much as possible, but only if you are also transmitting beacons at a high rate right because only if you're doing that can you also be providing the full level of quality of service to devices in the area is that a reasonable explanation of what's going on here i'd say it's like a perfect explanation of of what what this hip will be doing um what if and when it gets implemented definitely um and like you were saying with it too, it's it's meant to be an improvement over the entire network, right? I'm not trying to single out anybody, and you know, in particular, uh, with this moving forward. But I've I've seen that imbalance, and that imbalance that you were talking about is driven by rewards, you know, which it should rightfully be so. You know, anybody, you know, putting the time and effort in, they're doing it for the rewards. Right. And so if we as a blockchain, as a network, incentivize them to want to gobble up as much witnesses as possible, witness receipts, everyone, uh, they will do that. You know, it's, it's what people are going to gravitate to. And I think that imbalance is actually going to eventually hurt the network if it continues. I might be a little bit biased because it's my hit and I, I wrote it, but I am all for anybody that has a better idea as well. I'm here to help make the network better. If someone has a better idea, I'm all for that as well. Um, I just feel on my knowledge and how everything works, um, you know, over two years of experience with Helium itself and just seeing how we've grown, I think this is one of the better options that we could do um, moving forward. Yeah, I do view it as a simple change that, comes from a nuanced and long-term view of how the reward structure on Helium is currently laid out. I think these changes are largely in line with 
providing a better distribution of rewards throughout the network using the proof of coverage inflation incentive, um, distributing it in a more fair way and in a way that benefits the network more directly and more honestly. I want to talk a little bit about for a lot of people, they can't control necessarily how much they beacon or the quality of those beacons. And this stems from the peer-to-peer network issues that are happening on Helium. Uh, This is one of the largest peer-to-peer networks in existence. There's over 460,000 nodes. Every time we add another 10 or 100,000, we've reached some new crazy record as to how many low-powered devices are loosely connected on this peer-to-peer network. I don't think it's really ever existed before, and it's not how peer-to-peer networks were meant to be. I don't think they were ever meant to be over 100k people. I mean, even something like BitTorrent breaks down at like 50k, 100k. The peer-to-peer method of transmitting challenge data, beacons, witnesses that currently exists in the Helium network is inherently flawed. And this is openly acknowledged and is the reason for the transition to light hotspots, which will largely fix all of the issues that we're all seeing with zero witness beacons, sporadic beaconing, where you are supposed to be beaconing six times per day, but maybe you're only getting one or two or even zero beacons per day. And you've introduced something in this hip that acknowledges the current reality of the network where no one's really in control. Even if you, even if you fix relaying on your miner, you're not really in control of how much you beacon. And it doesn't matter how good your internet is. It doesn't matter how well connected you are. It doesn't matter what miner you have. You're at the mercy of the completely chaotic nature of this peer-to-peer network. So you've introduced the compensation factor, which basically acknowledges, look, if we're all averaging about three beacons per day, any individual hotspot should not be expected to produce six beacons per day in order to raise the cap on how many witness rewards that they can get. Each individual hotspot can only be expected to produce the basically the average, which I think right now is around two to three beacons per day. So... Is there anything I'm missing there with the compensation factor? Is there any additional uh, feature or, or intention behind that? Or is that the main reason for it to exist? That, that's the biggest one, you know, and it, it's kind of crazy. When I, when I wrote this hit, it, it was six beacons per day, but now it's four because of the proof of coverage challenge interval that's currently set um, because of the P2P issues. Uh, that we're seeing um, and, you know, um, the amount of transactions on on the network. You, you know, described it very well. Like I, you know, upon writing this hit, know that the the network isn't ideal. Nothing really is ideal. And so um, I don't want to, you know, hinder anybody. You know, I don't want to implement something that's going to, you know, clip, clip you if, you know, like, like you were saying, you did everything in your power. You made sure you weren't relayed. Your port, you know, is open. You're constantly checking on your hotspot. Like you as an operator are doing exactly what you should be doing. But, you know, as of, you know, the day, this day and age, it might not be enough, you know, for reasons outside of what you can control. Um, light hotspots, I can't tell you how excited I will be once those launch. Um, 
because of what it should, you know, what it will be able to do um, in regards to the, the PTP network. Um, a lot of the issues we see today stem from that, you know, at, at the base. When writing this hip, I didn't want to like wait until light hotspots. And that's why that was incorporated. Light hotspots will be a sea change. It will be like a switch is flipped and overnight everything is different. No more syncing, no more relayed, a predictable amount of beacons. Everything should really be sort of flatlined and less chaotic. And it will be a wonderful day for anyone who is worried about their hotspots performance and anyone who has to support hosts dealing with these constant issues. I would agree. I also would expect some growing pains. (laughs) You know, this is... This is a blockchain. This is it's a it's a car on the highway, <laughs> you know. So I don't expect it to be a smooth transition. I hope it is. Um, but yeah, based off of its design, a lot of the issues we're seeing, you know, will be a thing of the past. And then you'll have to explain to someone that joins later down the road about them complaining about something. You can go, you know, back in my day. <laughs> oh man. We already have a bunch of things to talk about in that fashion, like, you know, seven hop challenges that you already brought up, right? When you, when you, when you lost your earnings because the third hop failed and you're the sixth hop or something, mm-hmm. or, you know, you lost your earnings to everyone in San Francisco because they could all get seven hops, but no one else could. Um, <laughs> good times. Let's jump into why this hip is going to have a positive impact, allegedly. So there are two places of impact that, that I think you're looking to see here. And they're gaming and then also sort of like over-rewarding for, for witnessing, which might not be the most useful thing for actual end devices on the network, which is kind of the whole point. So let's jump into the gaming one first. What exactly does it look like for someone to game witnesses and collect more witnesses than their hotspot could realistically witness in the first place. How are they doing that? And what are some techniques for doing that? And, and why is this a solution to that vulnerability? For the anti-gaming, I like calling it witness repeating. I don't want to go into too much detail of like how it's being done. Currently, there's two categories, I would say, hardware witness repeating and then software witness repeating. Hardware is actually the one that's kind of more in the gray area because in reality, it's proving coverage, but only half of proof of coverage. It's it's proving that you're able to witness. And when I say hardware witness repeating, it's as if you have a packet repeater. So like you have um, essentially a light hotspot, something that can't sign the the witnesses. But what, what it can do is it can pick up these packets, you know, the beacons. Um, it's, it's any device um, for Laura can pick them up. Uh, so uh, these hardware repeaters would essentially pick up the those witnesses and then forward them to a miner over the internet that then could sign it. And as long as it meets the wickets of POC V11, um, it would be deemed as a valid witness of the hotspot that signed for it. So that is the hardware version. Software. Um, is utilizing a man-in-the-middle software or maybe a security exploit or vulnerability to kind of intercept the the plain JSON 
um, data that comes from the packet forwarder on the miner to the miner software. I can see these setups being used in the right way. Um, however, I can also see them being used in the wrong way, meaning that someone sets up a system where they repeat witnesses um, to multiple hotspots that per POC v11 deems you know valid, but in fact they they didn't physically pick up that witness. They weren't physically there, um, or that hotspot wasn't physically there. Kind of the the quickest way to spot that is if you were to look at at a hotspot and um, the biggest one was the clever smoke raven. They had no listen address, which means that they didn't um, request them the beacon, which resulted in zero witnesses on their witness list. So that hotspot in particular wouldn't beacon at all. However, on average, they were at the peak witnessing over 2,000 witnesses a day. If you were to take a look at the network as it is today, the hotspot that's number one for number of witnesses a day sits at about 536. So that hotspot in September was doing four times more witnessing than the current number one hotspot. The double-edged sword of that is if someone were to deploy a hotspot specifically targeting witness in a very dense area up very high, um, you could see the very similar characteristics of someone that was witness repeating based solely on that setup. So that is like the, the concern is how do you trust, you know, with the data given. During the data analysis, during the clever Smoke Raven incident, um, and then just looking at overall network performance, um, I found that, you know, 70% bi-directional this, um, I don't know if that's a word, um, is reasonable for most setups. And I want to say most, it's, it was roughly 95%, 96% of the network was um, within that range. So just to sort of simplify this a little bit, <laughs> just to explain what a witness is to anyone who doesn't know the technical details of it, a witness is basically a packet that you pick up over the air using an antenna. And in order to report a witness, you just need to submit it over the peer-to-peer -peer network with your hotspot signature in order to confirm, hey, I witnessed this. And any hotspot can submit any witness. You could have a repeater in New York and a hotspot in San Francisco, and you could have the repeater sending witnesses to the San Francisco hotspot. You could do this without buying another hotspot, which is the biggest constraint on the growth of the network right now. So you could do this with relatively cheap gear that could, that's readily available, any LoRa receiver. However, that would not work because that would be an invalid witness. It's too far that the RSSI would not match up uh, by the rules of POC v11. But let's say you, you're in San Francisco and you place repeaters in five different locations in a city and all those RSSIs of the beacons that the repeaters witness match up to where the central hotspot is asserted, that hotspot would be getting a lot more witnesses than it realistically could with one antenna because it's being forwarded the witnesses and then it just signs and submits those witnesses and it essentially multiplies the amount of witnesses that it can get, although it wasn't actually witnessing in those locations. And therefore, it could only 
actually provide a beacon from that one central location where the hotspot is actually set up. But it isn't necessarily providing beacons or downlinks from the areas where the repeaters are set up. It's not actually benefiting the network. Does that sound right? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of the gaming side of things. Um, long story short, hotspots being able to witness far more than they actually could with one antenna by using multiple antennas and repeaters and not providing a valuable service to the network because they are not able to provide downlinks or beacons, which is an extremely important part of providing coverage. So that leads nicely into sort of the second category of what this HIP address is, which is the incentive to overwitness, right? So if you're witnessing 30 hotspots, is that better than witnessing 15? Are you being more useful to the network? If you're witnessing 100 or 200 hotspots or 500, was it 576 was the largest, I think? That would be the, that would be the cap. Uh, 536 is the number one hotspot. Uh, the cap per hit 42 right now is actually 576. So as long yep. as it's beaconing um, max witness list of 360, um, that would be a-okay. And so that 70% you were talking about, I think what you were describing is that for any given hotspot on the network that is performing honestly, it will have 70% as many hotspots witnessing it as it is witnessing itself. Is that what you meant by that? Oh, so the, the 70% is, you know, talking about, um, you know, if, if it beacons and it has a witness on that beacon, the, the chances of that witness being able to beacon back, uh, the bidirectionalness of it, since lore is not by nature bidirectional, it, you can't assume 100%. So that 70% is saying, hey, you're able to beacon 100, let's say 100 hotspots are able to hear your beacon. Um, we kind of buffer that a little bit, saying that reasonably speaking, you should be able to hear more than those 160. We assume that those hotspots should be able to beacon four times a day is essentially where that comes in. So it's probably not the easiest to understand. Um, I'm probably, you know, would have to write it down to explain that 70%. But that's just me trying to describe um, the leniency of HIP 42. We're not expect, HIP 42 is not expecting, you know, if you can beacon to that hotspot, you should be able to hear it back. And that's the bi-directional aspect of it. Um, it's actually leaning towards being able to hear more than what you should beacon. Yeah, that makes sense. Because if you think about how you would build an optimal coverage map based on on-chain data, and I've actually experimented with this myself, I have a little SQL query and then a JS script that generates a map using just on-chain witness data. And well, in, in my version, I consider, you know, you're only creating true coverage if you can mutually witness each other. So if two hotspots can mutually witness each other, they sort of expand the area of what, what my map would consider to be verified coverage. And you can make a very conservative coverage map using that. 
But what you're saying is it doesn't necessarily follow that if you can witness someone that they can also witness you. But it should be within a reasonable threshold that a lot of the hotspots that you witness, that they should also be able to witness you. And if that ratio is extremely low, like only one in 10 hotspots that you witness could witness you, either your antenna is poorly configured, you have some radio issue or some other discrepancy that is preventing you from providing the maximum value to the network. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and like you were, like you were talking about your, your current coverage mapping, right? You're talking about hundred percent bi-directional, right? And, um, that's great, you know, because you being part of a hosting company, you kind of want to kind of want to see that, you know, there's a lot of things that not, that aren't perfect about it. Um, so I try to add a little bit more buffer, you know, to that, to, to account for that and, you know, make sure that people that invest their time, their money, their effort, you know, they, they do get the return that, you know, they should. Right. But at the same time, if someone is investing their time and effort into producing a setup that has 400 witnesses, is that what the network needs? Or is that an optimization that really after some limit, it sort of reaches an asymptotic limit as to how much benefit it can actually provide to the network? If you have 400 witnesses, you're by definition in, an, in a very densely covered area. <laughs> Unless you're witnessing from like a hot air balloon or something, which um, D.Y. Grant, I don't know. That'd be pretty cool. That, that would be viral for helium, I think. We did have the weather balloon at one point. But there was a sensor, not necessarily a hotspot. But uh, yeah, exactly right. If if the operator specifically built it in a way, or like was their goal was to specifically try to just get as much witnesses and only witnesses, I would argue that that is not benefiting. It's benefiting them, proof of coverage wise, but not benefiting the network. Like imagine that, right? You you have a hotspot that is you know earning a decent amount of HNT because it's able to witness everyone else beaconing. And then in return, it doesn't beacon. So right. those hotspots aren't getting rewards from that hotspot that's now essentially a parasite in that area. If it's not providing beacons, it's not returning the favor of witnessing all of those witnesses. Yes, and if you were to do a thought experiment of what if it was the 400 first hotspot in an area and the power grid fails, and 400 hotspots go down. Now every LoRaWAN device is able to see this one hotspot because it's in some area where it can basically receive data from a wide swath of land, but it can't provide downlinks. If it's the only hotspot alive in its area, it's essentially not providing coverage because no device would be able to join through that hotspot. So in the sense of providing redundancy to the network, a hotspot which witnesses a lot but does not beacon or does not beacon with a high success rate is not actually providing that coverage that it claims to provide. It's just doing a lot of witnessing, which without downlinks and without beaconing has a zero value unless you have other hotspots in the area that can do the beaconing. 
I guess that's sort of one way to look at it. One of the things I see frequently in discussions, um, sort of jumping into questions and concerns that people have about this hip is, I paid a lot of money, I have a contract, I put, the, put in the effort to get in a really amazing location for my hotspot, it's on an industrial tower, rent is 2000 per month, I have all these witnesses. This hip, I feel, is going to hurt my investment. What would you say to that person? Very, very good question. If it is an optimal location, if it is a good location, um, decent density of hotspots, there shouldn't be a reason not to make it optimal for proof of coverage. If you're able to witness all these witnesses and it's a legit location, legit hotspot, legit setup, um, there's either something wrong with the local network, something wrong with the antenna, maybe you're too high on that tower and you're not being able to beacon and the hotspots underneath of you aren't being able to hear them. There, there could, there's something off with it. And is that going to mean work? And is that going to mean, you know, you know, effort? Potentially. But if it is legit and it is installed and in, in, it is in a good location, it shouldn't be difficult to get those beacons. Like the, the system's designed to beacon. Um, there's something preventing it, right? And like we talked about earlier, right now, the network stability, it, it doesn't mean that the theoretical max, which is four right now, is expected. But on average, the hot, a hotspot beacons 2.4 a day. And that's just from data from the blockchain. Once again, randomness, right? That theoretical max is is you know kind of a proxy there's nothing on chain that says hey this is the physical max that you should beacon but there's also nothing saying that there's a minimum there's a chance right that you could not beacon what the average is there's a chance that you could not beacon um you know for that day and that's just the reality of that part of the system um which i want to you know hit 42 is taking that into consideration as well Right. So for this hypothetical person that's invested a lot in their setup, they're still subject to the randomness of the network, but the compensation in this the compensation factor in this hip is meant to account for the fact that there is a certain degree of network instability that's out of your control. And if your setup is such that the factors that are in your control are well optimized, for providing maximum coverage, uplink and downlink, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. And especially the person who has the most witnesses on the network, they're witnessing 536 hotspots. Correct. That person has nothing to worry about as long as they can beacon, as long as they are giving as much as they get, or, or at least giving an appropriate factor of transmission for the amount of signal that they can receive, which in turn provides the maximum utility to devices in the area that are trying to use the network. Correct, yep. Okay, that's, that's one of the main questions I've seen floated around here. So long story short, if you have an optimal setup, this is not meant to come for you or kill your earnings or put a limit on how great of a setup 
that you can have or how much you can optimize your setup. It's just to make sure that those people with optimized setups are not doing anything that provides less utility to the network. And at the end of the day, this would only affect anyone who was intentionally or, 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 or unintentionally due to lack of proper setup not providing the maximum value that they could from their location. What are some of the other concerns that you're seeing around this HIP when you talk to people in the HIP42 channel? You know, that's the biggest one. The other one is like, it's, it was doctored or authored to attack the, the optimal setups that we see today. The other one is maybe not necessarily understanding the true intention of it. And I think a lot of times um, I see people kind of like have a moment where they, where they realize, okay, you know, after they look to see like, is my hotspot specifically um, going to get affected? And I think that's a big thing um, as well, right? Because I see a lot of people come and say like, I believe this is going to happen to some people on the network. And, and the truth is, yes, this is going to affect some people. Um, if everyone was concerned enough to see if this was going to affect them, then no one would be affected, right? Because once everyone realizes that, that this is the, the life of making sure you beacon and witness, you know, everyone should be able to do the best that they can to, um, to meet that. I think those are the biggest one. I would agree. That's, that's the majority of what I've seen. And just general misunderstandings around the mechanics of the network. I got to say, I really can't blame anyone for this. There's a lot of complexity. A lot of it's not documented. A lot of the content out there, especially on YouTube, is not focused on documenting the actual mechanisms of the network, but rather providing sort of more macro views or opinions or pointing out one issue without a lot of nuance. So there's definitely a lack of educational resources out there. And with the rate that things change and with the rate that peer-to-peer issues stack up and change <laughs> and the rate <laughs> that firmware issues show up with SD cards being full or, you know, what, whatever the emergency of the day is, it doesn't leave a lot of room for nuanced understanding and discussion about the good parts of the network or not even to assign value to it, but just literally the mechanisms of the network and, and what they are at their most raw form and what discrepancies there currently are in terms of the performance of the network relative to what the network is actually supposed to perform like. So I don't really blame most people. And I, I think that light bulb <laughs> moment you're talking about is usually when someone has a misconception they have about how the network actually works, sort of reversed. Or maybe they just understand that the person who has put in the effort to make a change that they view beneficial isn't acting in some sort of self-interest. And if they were, the community would outright reject that. I don't think there is any room for selfish proposals here. I don't think anyone has made room for that. <laughs> um, I've, I don't think I've even seen really a selfish proposal put up. A lot of us are out here trying to think about what what would the network look like if it was just a little better in some way. That's why I think it's important to have these voice discussions because 
it really lets us sort of put a voice to our chat name and uh, just talk about what we're trying to do here and what improvements we think could be made. So uh, unless you have something to add, let's open the floor to questions. Hefi, welcome to the stage. Yeah, I'm just a little concerned about this hip and, you know, the way the peer-to-peer -peer books and everything have been with this network. You know, I deploy off-grid miners, so they're running on, you know, cell data connections. And so, like, I was running for three, four months with a VPN and an IP4 with no issues. My packets were going through. I send full 18 beacons, you know, all day. Um, I have, you know, two to 300 witnesses. So when you look up my hotspot, I'm not affected by it. But I've gone weeks, you know, like two, three weeks, like in between updates where I don't send any beacons. And it has to do with the peer-to-peer -peer books and the packets not making it through. Uh, like a month ago, if you talk to some of like the people that do off-grid, uh, we all had to remove our WireGuard VPN and the uh, like open VPN because they all just stopped working for about a few weeks. I, I'm hearing now that they're working again. So I'm looking to set that back up. You know, I do agree that, you know, people shouldn't be having setups with like amplifiers or other devices that, you know, increase the sensitivity and, you know, make them have bigger ears and more sensitive. That's not really adding to the value of the network, but I put a lot of effort into you know hiking up mountains and doing all this stuff that you know it's it's not just leaving a hot spot in a window um and it would really suck if you know just one day randomly they just all go dead and i have no control over it that's a good concern i actually remember talking to you about this um yeah. a, a little bit earlier if light hot spots and all that and like you know that all got smoothed out i would fully support this i just feel like the network isn't ready to have a limiting factor on it it's not stable enough that we're not ready to have you know something to put handcuffs on it if our hotspot randomly stops working and it's out of our control there's there's something in the hip that i also you know didn't bring up with our discussion earlier tv um it's it's under edge cases right it talks about recently asserted hotspots and then hotspots that have zero witnesses on their witness list and on there, I, the, the primary um, suggestion that I had was what we considered test beacons back in the day, where it's essentially a dis, like discovery mode, mm. but on chain, and you don't have to use a router, you don't have to worry about all these special APIs and stuff like that. Essentially, it just mimics a beacon, but it doesn't cap. So as of right now, we have that 18 witness list cap. This test beacon will beacon, right? wait 20 minutes to collect, won't cap the witness list um, to, to fill in that, that zero witness list, right? Oh. In, those, in those rare cases where, you know, maybe the network wasn't, you know, you're not, you, you didn't do anything wrong. It's just maybe the network, you know, you rolled the dice and you got the short end. I've always thought about that um, before. Like when you assert a hotspot, it should send out like a initial beacon to kind of collect its surrounding area. I always thought it was kind of weird. It takes, you know, a week or two to get all that data. We actually used to do that. Um, and then with HIT-15, they removed it. And I'm suggesting to bring it back. I'll step here and answer some of those historical questions. Everybody hearing me okay? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. So um, when we switched over to HIT-15, uh, we stopped using the multi-hop uh, proof of coverage. And that was the big thing about it, right? We went straight to beacons. The only reason we even had a witness list or needed to build up the witness list is so that you could then build up 
a plausible multi-hop scheme. If we set up a five-hop scheme, we didn't want uh, the hop to go through someone who you have never heard before. Very little chance that that would happen. So what? the only reason we even had a, a setup where we would build who you could hear was to use it later as a um, in the multi-hop scheme as a potential target for you to hop through. Once we got rid of the hops, there was no need to actually keep a, a list of everyone who had heard. Yeah. It's only here now as a happy accident. <laughs> Does this actually address the question that Hefe is asking? Because a test beacon still needs to go over the peer-to-peer -peer network and could still fail to arrive at its destination, right? That's right, that's right. yep. So I, my envision is that the, 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 the hotspot itself will essentially request it on its own and then get collected, right, um, by a means you know, and there is peer-to-peer -peer with that test beacon, you know, with collecting the receipts, because if you collected everything on the miner side, um, you could then populate a witness list. You so know, is, that only, is that only from the, that's, that's only from the hotspot side? Let's, let's fix a few issues. You know, uh, it, it might sound like maybe this was something it was before, but right now you don't request a beacon. In fact, the, you know, right? Everyone yeah. understands that when your hotspot beacons, it's chosen at random by the blockchain to beacon. Okay. Right? Um, so you don't, it's not like your hotspot requested a beacon. There's literally another hotspot on the network in constructing their daily challenges, which everyone is uh, allowed to do four to six. It just keeps changing. Um, you know, when your hotspot four. constructs a challenge, yeah, four per day <laughs> on average, um, <clears throat> you deterministically pick using blockchain data your target. The blockchain almost picks it for you, and you're forced to to target that target and issue them a challenge. You tell them, hey, whisper in their ear, this is a packet I'd like you to transmit. And um, you pick it up, and you transmit it, and whoever hears it can actually find me, the challenger, the person who whispered in your ear, and say, hey, I heard this challenge, and I know it's you who issued the challenge. Um, and that's through complicated blockchain stuff, but it's all there. So uh, when we get into this, just remember that the beaconing, as it's always been under this blockchain, no matter which particular proof of coverage algorithm we're running, has always been uh, initiated remotely. You don't choose when to beacon. You don't ask when to beacon. You are told uh, when to beacon. So go on from there. Yeah, that's where this test beacon would be a different, right? Um, and we could probably utilize validators um, for the for the collection of the, the witness states of said beacon, but that's more of an implementation implementation side of it, right? Um, the other option is just to have uh, a witness uh, a witnesses on your witness list. Uh, you default the twenty four witness receipts uh, a day. Um, now that might not be ideal um, for hotspots in really dense areas, you know, but it, you at least get something. Like it's not going to cut you dry when you, you know, hit that zero. There's going to be a, you know, at least a, a bare minimum. Yeah, no, I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I don't know. I'm just concerned, you know, with at least how the networks performed in the past for me in my experience. You know, I haven't really changed anything, and my hotspot sure does change the amount of beacons. I still send data, you know, during these times, and I those spots actually send a considerable amount more data than, like, the ones I have deployed at, at my apartment or, like, at my house, my parents' house. Um, so 
you know, it's still providing good coverage. I just, I don't know. I'm concerned. You know, it's it. I, I'm not going to be the guy to say that. Oh, you know that there should be a better fix and that this isn't a good fix. Because I don't know, you know, what a good fix is. I'm not that technical, but I just feel like this is a little rushed and a lot of the issues that it's addressing, like the clever smoke raven issue. Like if you look at that hotspot today, it's making pennies every day. We don't really have the same issue with hotspots getting thousands of beacons and not sending them and having ridiculous things like no listening address. At least I don't see that often anymore. I don't know. I just feel like it's maybe a little late to fix those problems. And it's a little early before light hotspots. You know, I feel like after light hotspots. I think it's a legitimate concern. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I think that's worth worth knowing. And I think that generally means you know a lot of people are concerned about how this is going to affect them. Yeah. That's what they're noticing. They're noticing that hey, as far as I've tried really hard, uh, I'm not gaming anything. I'm not um, witness repeating, and but I'm still having troubles beaconing. So a lot of that again, you know, yes, as long as we have the P2P network, we can keep trying to debug that as we're trying to do right now. Mm-hmm. The other hope is consider like how soon are light hotspots going to come and. I can't tell you, but uh, <laughs> we're hanging a lot of dreams on that for certain. So well, cool. I'm, I I'm, think it's a valid concern. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up. I think I'm going to get off the stage here. I think I've made it really clear that, you know, I'm just concerned that things might be really good today, but, you know, tomorrow they things could change. And it's just I don't want something that adds a limiter on the network. And that's, that's my stance. To wrap up on that topic. I just like to point out that, you know, this is a temperature check vote. All the code still needs to be written, reviewed, and there needs to be a final vote on the HIP. So, you know, with all that, plus the sort of scheduling this into the releases, if it passes and is written, they could see this being a months long process. We've seen much even simpler HIPs like HIP 12, which I wrote, which is just remote assert. It was probably like nine months or a year between that being approved and being implemented. I don't think it's realistic to think that this would happen like next month or anything. It's, I think, more probable that the final implementation, approval, and deployment would happen more of around the time that light hotspots are are being deployed, possibly after. And I guess the only thing I would ask to Anthony is, do you have any strong opinion on whether or not this happens soon or would you rather wait until a lot of these concerns are potentially no longer existent wait till light hotspots stabilize a bit and then try to make this improvement personally uh the the p2p issue adds a lot of complexity to this coding wise and you know bringing back test beacons or having a minimum um, witness receipts um, uh, uh, coded in there and the compensation factor and the data analysis that's intended to be done to, you know, back up any, you know, chain variable set like that. If light hotspots comes out, it's going to make it all that easier to, to implement in the long run. Ideally, you know, it's just the concept. Does this seem like it's something that the, the Helium network needs? Like, is this something that will benefit the network if implemented. Yes, it's probably not the best time for a vote, a temperature check vote, when there's so much uncertainty due to the P2P network. Personally, I see the legitimacy behind just the, the concept, the, the reasoning, and you know what its intentions are. 
um, at face value, not trying to factor in any of the complexities that we know as the helium network, especially recently. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Hefe and no ID, thank you for the questions. I'm going to move to a text question that was actually submitted by Helium moderator um, Paul M. What is the comparison between HIP42 and HIP44? For those who don't know, HIP44 is witness reward decay, which essentially would reduce the amount of rewards given for repeat witnessing within a certain time window. So what is the balance between HIP42 and 44? Whereas 44 is ready to go. Actually, all the code is written. It's already deployed to every miner, and it just needs a chain variable activation. HIP42 would need the code written, reviewed, deployed. Do these two HIPs coexist peacefully? Do they complement one another, or do they compete? Personally, I feel that HIP44 um, would compete. Um, it is, if you were to take a look at it, it my HIP42 um, feels like a, it would implement a hard cap based on beacons, based on your performance. It's like, if you perform well, you will not, you know, you most likely won't see, you know, um, a clipping, right? Um, because it's trying to be performance-based. Where HIP44, right, it's not going to limit the, the number of witnesses that you receive, but every other, every consecutive witness will be worth less when it comes to what incentivizes people to, you know, hunt for witnesses, rewards. So if there is a soft cap um, to the point where you're like, yeah, get all the witness receipts you want, but your rewards will diminish, you know, no one's really going to put the extra effort in to try and hunt for those little bit of extra rewards. They're going to try and optimize um, under that soft limit, which that soft limit is a lot lower as what I remember reading hit 44 as than what my my hard cap would be. It also would make people looking at the rewards, you know, a lot harder to understand what's going on because of the reward units per witness. I'm sure you'd be able to do it if you folded over all 30 blocks of an epoch for everyone, um, but not that many people are willing to do that. It would be an alternative to the first function of hit 42. So if people did not like the hard cap, uh, I think HIP44 would be an alternative that could be used um, for that function, but it doesn't necessarily, it would also, you know, help against the anti-gaming um, because obviously, you know, it'd be less rewards every consecutive witness, but it doesn't put a hard cap on it. So then they just keep sending more witnesses to it. And so at a certain point, it'll level out, but I just that's just my take on HIP44. Right. So do you think that HIP42 is easier to think about conceptually for someone trying to optimize their setup maybe requires less <laughs> complicated calculations and and sort of second order effect postulating is is that sort of a feature of hip 42 over 44 i would agree with that i think that's the, the that's the other issue with being the author is i think it's relatively straightforward um i think it is once you finally grasp the mechanics behind it it's definitely significantly easier than if you were to try and to reverse or audit hit 44, um, you know, effects on a hotspot. But the, the intentions kind of line up, you know, it's, a, it's an alternative way of doing, you know, hit 42, you know, and that's, that's another reason why I offered hit 42 is because hit 44 actually was suggested at the same time. And I didn't feel hit 44 was the answer. I, I, I felt that hit 42 was a better 
you know, compromise provided the same kind of solution. Well, it's always interesting when there are multiple solutions to similar problems within the sort of intellectual space of helium. There's multiple things that cause any given one to succeed or fail, right? There is, on one hand, like the sheer merit or understandability of the hip, but there is also the degree of championing that the author does. And I feel like you've been very responsive in engaging with hip 42. Whereas, um, you know, I haven't seen a lot around hip 44 for an obvious reason, which is that it was, I believe it was written by hash code. Is that, is that right? Am I wrong there? The, the hip itself was. And he's very busy doing other, <laughs> he's the chief product officer at helium who does for anyone who doesn't know him. So he's got a lot of other stuff on his plate and can't just really hang out in the hip 44 channel to, to champion it. So that's why you don't really see a lot of discussion there. It's very, I mean, yeah, the channel is basically dead. A benefit to it is that the code's written and it stems from the same situation of hip 40, hip 40, hip 42 and hip 44 all came from the most recent gaming of, you know, clever smoked Raven. Right. Like you're saying, multiple answers to the same question. Which one's which one's the best? Because um, he also chimed into earlier. Hashcode did um, in Hit Forty Two. There's a compromise between you know how it affects the network, how it affects you know the blockchain you know itself. Is there going to be bloat? Is there going to be more computational work needed? What kind of computational work is needed on the validator side to to uh, facilitate such a feature and is it something that's needed? Yeah, those are all very important considerations, especially the performance consideration. Now that I think about it, it feels kind of wrong that we're temperature checking HIP 42, but not 44. I don't know if that could be added in somehow, but it almost seems like if these two directly competing ideas are meant to be given an equal chance that they should be presented at the same time. In the same way, so maybe that's something that we can both discuss with uh, with the DY and see if they're up for that. Let's get some more questions in here, Fezfest. You've been waiting. Well, I, I had I had uh, there were two things I wanted to talk about. Um, one is um, that that this hip is is proposed as a way um, to to um, make make cheating less worthwhile, right? Yes, that's one uh, one of the functions is is a specific gaming exploit, if you would call it that. Um, yes, witness repeating. Yes, I understand. Um, the problem is um, a lot of people currently uh, they see. I, I live in the Netherlands, um, and in in big parts of the Netherlands, there are currently um, Chinese piscas farms uh, with hotspots that are not actually there. Um, they're in a basement in China somewhere. Um, and they all moved from from uh, China after the the POC, POC 11 introduction. Um, they they all moved to Western Europe, and this this hip um, will not affect those miners in any way, because they witness each other and they they beacon, and the only witnesses that those beacons have are are those miners, uh, but they're not physically there, so. I just I just want to um, make sure that that um, everybody knows that that this kind of cheating is is uh, will not be will not be um, affected 
uh, by this hip. That's exactly right. It's not meant to combat all types of cheating. It's it's a very specific cheating. Yeah, it's a very specific type of cheating that this hip prevents. But it's not a goal of the hip to prevent the specific type of cheating that you're referring to. One of the issues is that um, I see a lot of people are voting. A lot of people that are... One of the reasons that Helium is, is so popular these days is uh, it isn't all uh, tech techies that are joining the Helium network these days. A lot of people are joining the Helium network that, that don't have a lot of technical knowledge. And they don't read those hips. They vote by heart, by emotions. Um, and they don't really care... Uh, whether whether it's targeted at one specific type of cheating, they will they will just vote for any kind of hip uh, that that says, "Hey, uh, I will I will limit the amount of cheating that can happen." I, I, I agree with your concern. I think it's really hard to educate everybody on all of the efforts going on in the helium within the helium network and the community, and it's also very hard to communicate the potential benefits and drawbacks of a given hip and that specific challenge is actually why we're having this discussion right now and why we're recording it because we're making our best attempt at giving a an explanation that is as casual as possible for the everyday listener to to try and comprehend i know we've gone a lot into technical details Unfortunately, that's the nature of the beast with this hip, but hopefully we've spoken a little bit to the technical and the non-technical audiences to help them understand what the intention is. And if people want to dig in deeper or, or pay more attention, that's great. And if they don't want to and they want to vote on their gut, that's up to them, really. I mean, there's not anything I, don't, I think we can do about that and anyone in the community like yourself who's concerned about that, I think the best you can do is try to engage people and encourage them to become more educated on the subject before they vote. But this is a challenge in any democracy, right? It is true. It is true. Uh, a second thing I wanted to talk about was um, I, I'm following the uh, HIP, HIP42 chat for, for, for a couple of days now. Um, and one of the things that was proposed by, by one of the people in, in that chat was if it's about confirming downlink coverage, uh, why not simply reward beacons more? Why not simply reward um, uh, downlink messages more than, than witnesses? Uh, that's, that's a vital option. That's, that's like a, a great alternative. Like we could essentially just change the bucket reward. Now, if you do that, you lose all this buffer, all this comp the compensation factor. You lose all the wiggle room, you know. So if we shifted it, and someone doesn't beacon for five days, and it's and they tried everything in their power to 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 beacon to do so, it's just that the network hasn't picked them or didn't select them, or there's a P2P issue. They're out of those rewards, no matter what. Um, like out of you know the specific rewards for the beacon, not being able to beacon. It would meet, you know, it would rebalance everyone. Um, everyone will, you know, there'd be a smaller pie to fight over for witnesses, meaning that it is good to beacon, but we can't really control beaconing. So I think it'd be unfair, but it's an option. Like if, if the community wants to go that way, I am all for that. 
you know, because it, it meets the goal. It just, you know, it's just something to consider. Um, yeah, I, I just it. I just saw it in the chat and I was like, hey, this this might simplify things. Because it, it would be a lot easier to do that than to than to uh, go through all of the effort of coding coding um, hip hip forty two. Yeah, I would I would agree. <laughs> Certainly, the only thing between our current reality and that potentially happening is someone writing a hip that suggests that exact change. I would encourage you, Fez, or or anyone else in the community who thinks that that's a viable alternative that could solve this problem that if you think this problem is important that could solve it more quickly and with less contentiousness and with less you know adding code to the code base adding potential processing to validators i think that's a great hip to write love to see it okay thank you clear no further questions thanks fez in the interest of everyone's time and in the interest of keeping it somewhat brief for people who are going <laughs> to listen to this later um i'm going to I think I'm going to wrap it up here, uh, unless you had any final thoughts, Anthony. By all means, um, I'm currently living in Hit 42 channel, I'm trying to, to help explain this the best that you know I can um, to, to help people with their current setups or concerns. Um, I just want to emphasize that this is meant to be an improvement for the network, and anybody that offered their opinion, comments, or concerns, I'm listening to them. I'm you know, I'm taking them um, and, you know, hopefully answering any and all questions um, to why something might not be the best route or why I chose to go this way. So I appreciate everyone that took the time tonight to come to this HIP42 discussion. This this is going to determine if I take, you know, a month to the next three months coding um, this vote. So this is what the temperature check is essentially preparing me for. Yeah, thanks to everyone for making it this far, especially if you were here from the beginning, it really means a lot that you're this engaged and that you're interested in learning the details of something like HIP42. There are a lot of HIPs out there. There's a lot to know about the Helium network, but the fact that y'all are here shows a lot about the fact that you care about this network and about making the best decision. You can vote on the temperature check at helium.vote. You can either vote from your mobile device with your Helium Wallet app. There's a one tap to go from the voting website to the uh, send screen. You just need to burn a tiny amount of data credits, plus I think a 30 cent fee, data credit fee in order to vote. You can also scan a QR code on your desktop using your mobile. It's a temperature check, right? We're just trying to understand what the community thinks about this HIP. And hopefully you're making decision after... <laughs> having listened to this discussion or, or hung out in the hip 42 channel. And if you are, thank you so much, Anthony, thank you for your time and for patiently answering everyone's questions. I hope that together we were able to give everyone a good idea of what this hip is about. What are the benefits and drawbacks and what are some alternatives out there? And I think that's what the whole hip process is about. So thanks again to you and to, to everyone else for joining. Thank you for tuning into The Hotspot. If you love our content, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to maximize your impact, leave your honest review on Apple Podcasts. Your support helps us reach more listeners and educate them about the Helium Network.